0: Welcome back to Sober Grind. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you better understand addiction and recovery. My name is Austin, and I'm your co-host along with Pej. If you need help with addiction, whether it be for yourself or someone you know, call us 24-7 at 877-577-9382. Today, we're talking about how to find the right and best treatment center for you. With so many drug and alcohol treatment centers nationwide, how do you know what questions to ask and which center will actually be able to help support long term recovery? Are you ready? Let's talk about this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Sober Grind. Today we have an amazing topic for you talking about how to find actually good treatment with so many treatment centers out there. If you need help, if you have a loved one, a child, a spouse, that needs help with addiction treatment, where do you go, what type of questions do you ask, and how do you find what that actual best help is? So I'm your co-host, Austin. And I'm joined with uh, my always co-host... Pej. Pej. Pej is the man. So, Pej, this is a great topic that we haven't really talked about before. We've, we've shared about how to, you know... Uh, What are some of the early signs of addiction and enabling behavior and interventions and all of these different things? You know, why do you think, first off, that it's so important to find the right treatment center to get help?
1: Well, first, before we even get into why find the right treatment center, why why would somebody need to have to send somebody to to treatment? You know, there's a lot of um, treatment centers across the U.S. and other countries too but i mean the u.s is flooded with a lot a lot of treatment centers back in the day like 30 40 years ago um there wasn't a lot of treatment available there was more there was hospitals and they would provide uh some services uh in in helping people with addiction problems with alcoholism um you know mental health was a whole separate entity you know and now Mm -hmm. there are a lot of treatment centers that are uh dual diagnosis They, they do they deal with dual diagnoses, co-occurring disorders, Um, they've sprouted up left and right across the U.S. A lot of people um, have a lot of strong opinions about treatment. A lot of people have had very bad experiences with sending their kids to treatment. I know, I think I just saw Jennifer uh, pop in right now, and I've talked to her, and I know that she's had some really bad experiences. Now, I know that there's a lot of treatment centers that provide very good care for their clients, you know, and and for one, let's just get let's get this straight out. Like, right? I gotta say this: that treatment centers and treatment does not keep people sober. Mm-hmm. okay, it does not. It provides clinical services. It provides um, a safe environment for somebody who it's supposedly safe, right? Who who is battling addiction, who comes into their center, who is monitored through the detoxification era, and also. Uh, residential and sometimes through the partial hospitalization, which is called PHP. Mm-hmm. Now, in the last, you know, in some insurances cover treatment, right? And some people pay privately to send their pe- their loved ones to treatment. So um, there's a high overhead. Uh, a lot of treatment centers provide clinical services. So there's clinicians, there's staff, there's uh, uh, staff that watches them around the clock. There's staff that supports staff. That takes the people to and from meetings or to doctor's visits and such so um you want to definitely think about if you're going to be sending somebody to treatment where are you sending them and sometimes a google review is not going to be enough yeah you know or or um or some kind of online review is not going to be enough you want to actually research and a lot of people research the treatment centers that they're sending their loved ones to now um i'm lucky and i'm blessed because i have worked in uh treatment uh amongst some of the best colleagues that one could ask for, you know, amongst major, major professional people that were highly skilled, they were certified, they were uh, licensed uh, clinicians that were able to provide proper treatment services for their clients. Um, So I've seen what it looks like when it's good. I've also seen what it looks like when it's not good. You know, I've seen um, that a lot of centers, uh, they just aren't, equipped with what is necessary in giving in providing good treatment to, to their individual clients. Um, I know there are uh, people that are understaffed, a lot of places that are understaffed. There's people working in treatment that shouldn't be working in treatment. There's people that are newly sober or have not yet worked through their own interpersonal issues, and then they are placed in a position where they're overseeing people that are viewed as sick, people mm-hmm. that are still... Um, on the fence with being sober and often when people go and work in treatment and they are not qualified um, to work in treatment they really shouldn't be there and so that doesn't provide a good treatment stay yeah what are uh, there's so, a lot of different ways say one more thing. yeah go ahead when I say that treatment centers don't keep people sober 12-step communities don't keep people sober either right the community or, or the structure isn't what helps people stay sober um, treatment Good treatment, the point of good treatment is to uh, break the resistance for the clients in order to get long-term recovery. You know, that's what it is. It's what they intend to do. That's why they send a lot of their clients to 12-step meetings because that's a form of aftercare. When somebody is uh, going through the treatment process and does 30, 60, 90 days, you know, they're also uh, encouraged in, in like an abstinence-based center to, if they're part of the 12-step community, to get the sponsor work the steps but continue to keep on going and I'll, and I'll, I'll get more into that in a second but what was your question what
0: yeah that? well no, that's a, that's a really powerful thought I'm glad you added that in there um you know is is some of these shortcomings of other treatment centers is is that why that people hop from one center to the next center to the next center I know we've You know, we've talked about some of the dark things of patient brokering and and negative things like that.
1: You know, because there's so much going on and there's so many centers, it's not, uh, it's not, it doesn't boil down to one individual reason of why somebody would go from center to center. Let me, let me tell you, this is my experience. So like in 2010, um, I worked in a center where back then you couldn't use much insurance to go to treatment. Uh, i think dsm-4 was in transition to go to dsm-5 and there was uh, a still an opinion about addiction and and or not an opinion but more, but it wasn't yet um, insurances weren't providing the, the type of money that they do in order to pay for treatment so mm-hmm. people more cash pay clients back then you didn't have a high ama rate aca rate not yeah. a lot of people were Jumping ship from treatment. If they went to treatment, their families were paying out of pocket. You know, their families were uh, sometimes putting their house up um, mm. uh, to, to put their kid in treatment. The costs were not much different than what they are these days. You know, a lot of people hear that, wow, treatment costs that much, like in uh, tens of thousands of dollars, and really, like the costs of running the center isn't cheap, right? So there are a lot of people that do it for for profit, obviously, and there's a lot of nonprofits too, and then there's uh, you know. Indigent hospitals that that aren't making any money—they they basically will they'll, they'll take the lowest form of insurance or sometimes no insurance. But the type of um, treatment that's provided in those in those settings varies. You know, some may have the best counselors that are working in a in a, in a state hospital, and some may have the worst counselors working in like some facility that oversees the cliffs of Malibu. Yeah, you know, it it can all vary. But yeah. uh, I believe that many people go from center to center for many different reasons. Let's say somebody comes from complete wealth, you
0: mm-hmm. know, and
1: their and their family has a whole bunch of money and they can pay to take to send their kid to treatment. Well, when the kid is already coming from wealth and he might be uh, spoiled or he might uh, already be one that expects a lot, he may jump ship from that place over a period of time because he's not getting his needs, his personal needs that he feels that he met. And so he goes to the uh, he goes back home or He's once again enabled by his wealthy family, and then he goes to the next place. However, nowadays, in this day and age, um, a lot's changed. Now that the insurance provides, and a lot of people don't have to use their own money because they may have some kind of uh, good, effective policy that they can send somebody to treatment to, a lot of these kids get the idea of, well, you know, I, I don't have, re- I have really good insurance. I don't like this center. Um, there's somebody told me that I can go to this other place and I can get more of what I want there and have to do less of the work or whatever. So they may be part of that too. There's many different types of people that are getting brokered or there's many different types of people that are getting enticed. There's people that get uh, they get uh, convinced or told that you'll like this better. And then there's just some people that just, you know, they never want to get well. Yeah. You know, they will never really work through their deep-rooted stuff. I believe that, the success stories that I've seen in treatment are people that really, really are provided good care, but they also um, accept the care that's given to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for, for sharing that insight on there and based on your experience. Uh, if anyone has any questions about how to find good treatment or or what to ask, or even want to share some of your own experiences, please let us know in the comments. We will address them all live and we'll address them afterwards if you'd like to uh, leave that comment or email us as well. Pej, when you're reaching out to different treatment centers or to to one center, the first one that comes top of mind or whatever, you know, what are some of the things you should look for uh, or questions that you should ask the person that you know answers the phone or, or whoever you're talking to at the treatment center. What are some things that you should ask and look for to increase your your likeliness of you know getting long-term recovery?
1: Okay, for one, you want to see um, if they have licensed clinicians. For two, you it's, it wouldn't hurt to ask if the people that if some of the people that work there are in recovery themselves too. Mm. Um, and if it's long- term recovery, if they really take their recovery seriously, uh, other things to ask are what what goes on in the course of a day? You know, what kind of treatment is going to be provided to my loved one? Um, or if you yourself are looking for one, what 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 does it look like? If you have no idea what treatment is like, I would hope that whoever's on the other end of that phone that's doing the admission is allowing is, is knows enough about the company and about the treatment center. To be able to provide the proper information now a lot of people will misconstrue things a lot of people will make up things a lot of people will say that they were promised a lot of things and then there's a lot of treatment centers that will promise a lot of things that truly they can't follow through on you know mm-hmm. I believe that communication is key you know to you want to effectively communicate with whoever you're talking to on the other end of sure that you know that you're going to the proper place because a lot of people in this day and age you can research a bunch of places but whatever um is you know sounds m- more you know effective and can and help you in, in your process of treatment that's what you want to really look for is to make sure that you're getting solid place a place that you know um not just based off of how many stars they got on google that's great you right. know but more more so a place that's reputable a place that has um that you, maybe perhaps heard of other people that have gone to and had a good uh, good experience there and you know it, it, it's amazing too that um, just in the last few weeks I've talked to several different families and um, one family will say you know I'll ask the, them the background of their kid and how much treatment they've had or where they've gone to and one family will say well he liked this place but he didn't like that place and then I can talk to another family and you know they've had them go to those same places in one like the one that other kid didn't work. right, sure. It's all about the individual, too. You like what does it boil down to? You know, yeah. who who's doing what work? Who's doing the good work? Is it the treatment center? Is it the client? Is it cohesive? Is it in unison? Or is it, uh, you know, depending on the client and how willing they are, you know, the level of willingness?
0: Yeah, uh, Jennifer brings up a, a good point here, too. I mean, I you can, I
1: can't see her comments, but I love when Jennifer, <laughs> uh, whenever she's got input, uh, when Jennifer speaks, I listen.
0: Because
1: <laughs> I know, where, where's the comment for her?
0: So this is on the uh, beginning's live stream here. So she says, uh, you can always call your insurance company um, and find out who's in network with them, and then you can begin to start researching those centers as well.
1: She's uh, exactly right. Yeah. She's exactly right. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know uh, what kind of treatment they can get, or and definitely, so there's in-network, uh, some people have HML policies, so they're mm-hmm. in network with certain facilities, and they can get a list, and they can research them. She's exactly right. Yeah. I'm all for that.
0: So how do you feel about alumni programs as well? Uh, I'd love to touch on those as well as not only the actual uh, recovery process and treatment process, but uh, alumni programs but of continued aftercare.
1: So how do I feel? I feel very strongly about it. I feel like it's it's... Of, of absolute importance. It's vital that, um, it's, let, me, let me say it from my own experience. So I went through a center, okay? And um, not only did the center provide the, the clinical services, the, the, the clinicians, the, the group settings, the individual therapy, and all the different things that came with it, but the, the center provided a family feel, mm. And that means that um, not only was I uh, getting along with my peers, the ones that were very serious, even the ones that weren't serious I would always try to see the, the best in them um, but there was a band of brothers that went through that place over a period of time that we still are sober to this day, not a lot but it was a good number it was like about 5 or 6 of us that we all um, went around the same time and, and we yeah. all stayed sober were sober to this day, so 12 and a half years sober um, my whole thing with alumni was that I was encouraged to become a part of the alumni of the place that I went through and, and spearhead you know, whatever alumni organization that we had and, and saying to, like coming back and being there for the newer clients and letting them know this is where I got my life back. This is what I'm a part of. Uh, There's certain events that would uh, take place. We would go on outings. We would get to be get together have that family feel, provide that family feel, give them encouragement, let the people that are currently clients there know that you're in a good place, you're in a safe place, this is a good spot, um, you know, let come and speak on panels, let them know about our story, our experience, strength, and hope, and how it all worked and why we came to this particular center and how this particular center um, gave us everything that we never expected to have, the counselors, the psychologists, the doctors, the, um, the case managers, all the different people and how how they were there, you know, how they were hands-on and helped us in our treatment process. You know, I believe that um, a treatment center is not a strong treatment center unless they have a major, major, major aftercare program, which completely involves mm. alumni. It's got to involve alumni. I don't think that um, enough places do it, and I think that a lot of people just go to treatment, and because there's not a strong aftercare program, or it's obsolete, or there's no no alumni program in, in place. A lot of people just go. They're there. They don't feel like they're a part of something. They yeah. go back to their respective hometowns or they're not connected to, to the treatment center at all. Some, I mean, you know what's happening in these days in Austin? It's kind of amazing. I hear people go to treatment and they, because they leave and they're not connected, they come back and you ask them, like, so where was the place that you went? And they're like, um, they didn't even know the name of the treatment center.
0: Thing. Wow. They don't even they know. Don't
1: even, they don't even know. So, you know, you want to know that alone you know.
0: shows you the level you of care they you receive know. you
1: want to know what you get you want to know who you're dealing with and you want to give back yeah you know, altruism i believe is is the most important thing i, I there's every center i've worked in a, a lot of times they have put me in a position where i oversee an alumni department i i'll sit down with clients and look them in their eyes and say look you have 90 days you're about to discharge but that doesn't mean that you need to be disconnected from." this particular center. I encourage you to keep coming back and show these people how you got the 90 days, the 120 days, the 365 days. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're doing in your life, where you are, a lot of people that come to treatment, um, they, they build a support group around that. Some consist of the people that are within the treatment center and some are in the community, in the, in the recovery community. So they will end up moving near the center or in the same town where the where the treatment center is. And, and become a part of, you know, the, a strong, close knit sober community, and so they, they make themselves readily available. It's altruism at its finest. I can't, I can't explain it any better than that.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. A sense of community, yeah.
1: And if you don't know what altruism is, it's to be selfless. <laughs> Opposite of what a lot of addicts and alcoholics are, selfish and self-centered. <laughs> so you want to be a part of rather than apart from.
0: Yeah, and definitely having that community keeps you accountable as well. <laughs> so I want to touch upon shorter versus longer-term treatment. So different programs offer different lengths of stay, depending on where you're at, and you know all of these different factors. What are your opinions on the overall? I don't, I don't want to call it necessary su- success rates, but the overall effectiveness of like a 30-day program versus a a 90-day program or even continuing longer than that do you have any insight on on the effectiveness
1: I know when I first went to treatment I had the idea that I want to do the 28 days in and out program. yeah right I I mean I was still in the fog so I'm trying to determine um, how much time I really feel I need to go to treatment Um, So I had that idea. So I get like when somebody doesn't feel like they need to stay very long because they have some things to attend to, I had nothing to attend to. I was living out of my car, right? So I was a full-blown drug addict, alcoholic. So uh, over a period of time while being there, I realized, like, I really need this, and I need it for a while. So Mm. I ended up staying in that center for six months. After having the idea of staying for 30 days, I ended up staying for six months. After about 90 days, when the fog had cleared enough, I became more a part of uh, helping um, out as like a volunteer than actually being a client that still needed to work through therapy. Now, everybody's different. There's some people that need a lot of treatment. There's some people that need to um, stay in treatment, like 90 days is good. I think after 60 days, like the, uh, there's a high percentage of people that go to treatment for only 60 days and end up going back out and then end up, end up relapsing. So, um, there's a reason for long-term treatment, you know, some mm-hmm. people are in programs for up to a year. I was in a center that they required, they would, they recommended that you stay in their program for up to a year so that you have that solid foundation, that you're part of something, that you're actually um, part of the center. Some of them started working in the center after they got a year. Um, but I believe, you know, just a detox and going back into to the world is just not enough. Mm-hmm. Because what have you really gotten in that process? You've just gotten the drugs detoxified out of your body, but what about, like, what, how are you going to, um, you know, have, like, a foundation, there's no foundation with that, you basically came and got sober, and then you got it all out of your system, and you go back out, more often than none, people that go in just for detox, relax, I just, Mm -hmm. I think it's senseless, because you're going to go get these opiates, and suboxone, and, and all these other, you know, uh, toxic drugs out of your body, but then because you have no backup plan, because you don't know what you're gonna do next, then you go relapse. Now, if a person goes in for um, the detox and does you know thirty days of residential, great. At, at least in that thirty days time I hope that whoever you are, whatever you do, you're taking it all in and you, uh, some people think that they need to go back to work right away. They don't want to lose their jobs. They need to get back to their families. They they have things to attend to, they have a business to get to. They don't have a business to get to but regardless of the fact, 30 days sometimes just isn't enough either. I believe after 60 to 90 days, if you stay in treatment for up to 90 days, it's much more effective. Um, you learn a lot more. You are there. You learn to listen. Mm-hmm. You listen to learn. You see your experiences in other people's lives. You demonstrate your experiences to them and how you've changed. And you all, you know, you work together. Everybody works together. There's a reason why they have so much group, you know, groups. A lot of people think the groups are redundant in rehab. That's the people that go to rehab a lot and sit in a lot of groups. You know, I run some groups and I see people They seem like they're burnt out in the groups. But truly, like, what happened for me when I was in the groups a lot, when I'm an active member in a group, when I participate, when I'm not just an observer, when I listen to other people's stories or what their experiences are or what they're going through, and I can can relate to them or I can give them my input on how I relate or what I've done or things that have gone on with me, then it's much more effective.
0: Awesome. So you have recognized that there is a problem. You know that your insurance covers a treatment center. You found the the treatment center that you want. You've asked the right questions. You found the perfect center to help your loved one. How do you convince that person to actually go into treatment?
1: Again, that's a I mean, it's, it's kind of open-ended. There's so, many, there's, there's so many ways to look at it. I mean, sometimes you can't convince them. Mm. Nobody really wants to go to treatment. Some people that have already experienced treatment and know that they went there and got well before and then they went back and got high drunk or whatever, knows that they can go and get well again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's easier to convince somebody that's had experience with it. Some people are harboring addicts and alcoholics in their homes And they introduce the idea of going to treatment, well, if this person can actively use and drink in your house, why would they want to go somewhere and treat that? However, if an ultimatum is put in front of them that you either go get that help in that place or you get out of here, then, you know, you may get them to go. If they Mm -hmm. absolutely refuse because they run the show, you may have to get the cops involved. Or, Mm -hmm. or sometimes you have to get a professional in the mix. There are people that attempt to do family interventions, and some family interventions are successes. Mm-hmm. Some of them aren't. Some people continue to enable. Some people are just so engulfed in codependency, they don't know how to let go. Mm-hmm. Some people think that they're actually going to be able to fix that person. So it varies. There's so many different things. Sometimes you just have to call an interventionist that knows, you know, that's a professional in the field that has had a success rate that can pick the appropriate center for you, tell you about why they picked it, depending on what your loved one is struggling with, whether, whether it be, um, drugs, alcohol, mental health, all of it, the whole gamut, gambling, all of these different things. But, you know, it's not easy, you know, to, to be able to get somebody to go. Mm. These are things like as an interventionist before I'm going into any kind of case or scenario, I want to have somebody paint a picture of me. What, what's going on? What's been wrong? How long has it been going on? How long is it, uh, affecting a family and and then as we're sort of building up the intervention and putting it all together then we um we we make sure that we do a pre-intervention and then before that i've already got the place picked out based off of their insurance so that when i sit in front of the individual i can tell them um you know we found a place but basically go through the whole intervention this is what your family feels this is how we feel this is what what would be the best thing for you to do we've got something set up for you and that person then will you know
0: either go or not go. Yeah, so if, if you need help with uh, addiction or an intervention uh, for someone in your family, you can always reach out to Pej. Uh, he's helped so many lives. So Pej, thank you for that. Thank you. You're doing a great service. Uh, do you have any other thoughts or comments uh, about how to find the best treatment program for you? And if anyone's watching here, uh, listening right now, if you have any other questions or comments, please let us know and, and we'll address them. But, yeah, Pej, do you have any other um, thoughts or comments here? Research.
1: Reputable. Look for a reputable center. Look for a place that, you know, truly does good work. I Call me. I'll tell you who, who are the good guys. I know there's some good centers out there who I believe in with my heart and soul and have no problem um, sending people to treatment there. I, I, I know who's the good ones. I know who are you know, the top ones, the ones that really provide the best treatment services, and I know where not to go. yeah and I have no problem saying that
0: either. Mhm. Good. and uh, Jennifer had a couple more comments here that I just saw, so I wish uh, I could see the comments. They're on the beginning stream. Uh so she said the first comment is sometimes I've seen some major codependent behaviors with the recovery industry. Countless people are stuck in this system for ten plus years.
1: She's exactly right. Um Just as much as a parent can be a codependent or a loved one can be a codependent of a loved one that's suffering, um, so can centers. You know, I'm not Mm -hmm. into... uh, I don't really believe in uh, therapy where you coddle the client. I don't believe in that. I don't think Mm -hmm. it helps them. I think it hurts them. Um, They say There's a saying where we say, uh, you baby the alcoholic addict, you may Mm -hmm. bury the alcoholic addict, and that truly can happen. I really... I like... um, when when therapists are real with their clients and tell them like this is where you're coming short just as much as um just as much as somebody that would in a 12-step community not to say that we're going at them hard or we're trying to hold on to them or or if sometimes if you can't squeeze blood from a turnip you've got to let them go you know you don't (laughs) need to just hold on to somebody because you feel like um their insurance will pay more yeah because um you know it's one thing to give somebody chances to, to try to keep helping them it's another thing when you see somebody have countless, countless, countless treatment episodes and, and they keep on going through the same place or, you know, it's another, you know, I got to say like when there's people that are treatment hoppers or have gone to many different treatment centers but end up in your care, um, it's good to give that person a chance because maybe this will be the time when they will get it. Mm-hmm. But also want you want to know if history keeps repeating itself, how much do you want to keep trying? Not to say like you want to throw them out on the road. But sometimes you just gotta let go. I yeah. get what she's saying. You can't yeah. be dependent to to the individual because you're not really. Um, it's not their true, authentic self that you're trying to hold on to. You're you know you're dealing with people's addiction, with like their drug drug disease. And with that said. I've got
0: to go to the airport. <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much again, Pej. Thanks for everybody uh, that tuned in today. If you need help with the treatment uh, or an intervention, you can always reach out to Pej. You can reach out to Beginnings Treatment Centers who sponsor this amazing podcast for the last two-plus years. You can call them 24-7 at 877-577-938. Again, that's Beginnings Treatment Centers at 877-577-9382. You can call around the clock. You can reach out to Pej, you can reach out to myself, and we will get you the help that you need. Pej, thanks again so much, my friend.
1: Thank you.
0: Sober Grind out.
1: Bye.